Thank you all for tuning in to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey, the Josh Terry Podcast, brought to you by Raising Grace Studios. I want to give a big shout out to all of our sponsors, uh, Straight Haggard Thread Company, Par Hopper Golf Apparel. Go check them out. Williams Tire, Nobles Networking. Uh, let's see who else we got on the books this month. Drizzly. Thank y'all. Alcohol Delivery Service. Um, Gridiron Coffee, our management company, Red Circle, uh, and all the corporate sponsors that are associated with the show. Um, we've had a lot of fun on the past couple shows, but one thing that we always try to do is we try to keep it real and we try to help people. Um, this next young lady's story was shared to me several times in the past week. Um, she is a domestic violence survivor. Her story is very touching and, uh, she's, she's pretty much a badass to be honest with you. And when I saw her story, I had to, uh, had to get her on. And if y'all hear something weird with my voice today, <clears throat> ain't because I've been drinking too much It's because my tonsils are as big as my eyeballs right now. Um, but it'll be okay. It'll, it'll go down soon. So let's hope it don't sound too bad to the folks out there, but I would like to introduce y'all to miss Korean. How are you doing today? Good. Where are you? Uh, where are you at right now? Well, like, well, not right now. Right. I mean, you're hiding. But I, I, like. I, I'm a, I'm out in East Texas. Okay. And uh, and there's always terrible cell phone service. So we went where you could actually get cell phone service. Well, hey, look, you got good service to me. So wherever you're at, just stay there. I just, I thought you were in Texas. We have an obsession with Texas women on this show. Uh, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I went to Fort Worth for the first time this year and went out to Texas for the first time. I fell in love with the place and the people there. And uh, the ladies out here ain't that bad. I just, they, mm. they, y'all grow them different in Texas. How tall are you, by the way? Because I have a theory on Texas women. Five, eight. Of course you are. That is, yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I knew you wasn't a shorty. Um, no. But, uh, but Miss Corrine, your story has a, from what I've seen on social media so far has helped a lot of women and uh, with all the ladies that has tagged me in your, your posts and everything. Um, I just, I, I want to thank you on behalf of them for sharing your story and hopefully it will, you know, cause someone to get out of the situation that they're in. Yeah. Uh, like I, I told you before, just that it just kind of surprised me. Um, I didn't quite realize, I think how many women, uh, actually have dealt with this I felt really alone and had taken my step to speak out just because I thought at least it, it might help one person and it, it might help me and I quickly realized that uh, it's a lot bigger than just just me and one other person so yeah there's a there's a lot of ladies we uh Kylie Strickland shared her show or shared her story with us and it was it helped motivate a lot of people. We've had Kate Stinson, some more folks come on that's done it too. And, you know, it's, it's hard. I understand it's hard for you to share, but at some point in time, I hope people realize that by you sharing, some people do this for attention, but some people do it to help others. And from me talking to you, the, the little bit I have already, you know, I, I can tell that the reason why you're doing things like this is to, you know, hopefully save someone's life, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Cause I'm, I, uh, I don't do public speaking <laughs> at all, but you know, I, I've said, you know, I can't, I can't change my past. I have to carry this with me no matter if I share it or not. And if it can change someone's current situation or their future, then it's worth sharing. 
And so that's where I, I hope that at least speaking out and someone hearing it at least gives someone courage to to get out or speak up or name their abusers and, and whoever and be able to get out of that situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Alone. We uh, we I say on this show a lot that one thing that I that is one of my favorite traits in people. You have some people that play the victim of their story and you have some people that want to be the hero of their story and doing what you're doing to start off with. You're not playing the victim. You're not sitting there sulking in it and uh, every, teach their own. Everybody's different, but there's something that's really inspiring to others when someone takes their trauma and they define their trauma. They don't let their trauma define them. And that's what mm-hmm. I feel like you're doing by sharing. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. Well, um, give them a little bit of a backstory on you. Before we get started, let them know who Miss Corinne is, and um, and we'll get going. Okay. Well, I'm Corinne, and I've been a career fireman for the last decade. It was always something that I enjoyed and loved thinking I got to help people. And, you know, on someone's worst day, you got to, to make it a little bit better. And so I've done that. I worked out in East Texas for the majority of my career, and uh, I got married super early. Uh, on and that kind of I guess got me into a lot of the situations with this uh, particular story that um, I guess got me here Uh, and so I was young didn't listen to a lot of people and got married (laughs) despite despite any advice and so I ended up also having I had three kids with my first husband and we ended up getting divorced and then I ended up move in and getting a new job, a new fire job over in Wiley, Texas. And so that's kind of the the pre-story to, to the other. So, Well, I didn't realize you were a fireman. Thank you for you uh, doing that. We love our first responders around here. Oh, thank you. Yes. Uh, just, uh, I like to throw compliments at folks. I'd have never guessed you had three kids. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I how, do think that's a compliment. How, how old are you? I am 30. Oh God, I was way off on you. Oh well, I'm hoping it was a lot younger. Oh no, I thought older. I thought you were 25. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I honestly, that. I, whatever you, I'm telling you, y'all Texas women, goodness, we're great. different. I, I am we're not. Different. I am not about to hit on you on a domestic violence podcast, but just saying, <laughs> the good Lord, he he blessed Texas. Um, <laughs> but uh, so after your divorce, um, I'm guessing that's when you you met old dude. Um, and by the yes. way, if you don't feel comfortable saying his name on here, we always give people like him nicknames. So, uh, <laughs> you know, and then we say if the shoe fits, wear it. So if you don't want to <laughs> say his name or if you have already on social media, feel free to. I don't I don't know. I just uh, I've just seen some of the stuff. Um, kind of tell us how y'all met. And then I guess how far into after y'all meeting the domestic violence started. So uh, in the fire service, it's pretty much a, it's, it's a big world, but small world. Everybody knows everybody. So we ended up meeting pretty much through mutual friends. Uh, and I kind of just asked around about him when he had reached out, trying to figure out who he was, what people thought of him. Um, because, you know, like I said, in my first marriage, I, I didn't do that and I didn't listen to anybody. And so I kind of really overcompensated with that and trusted a lot of what people said and everyone always said that he was a really good guy he always helped he was just uh something special and he was very charismatic 
And so when we met in the beginning of, it was right before COVID started and um, we hung out a lot and because of COVID, everything really shut down. So we really could only hang out with each other. And so we spent a lot of time with each other and talking like to our families and friends and everything just seemed to, I mean, you, you say picture perfect and that's kind of how it, it seemed. And uh, we, we only dated for like six months before we decided to get married. And no, uh, yeah, I know. Don't do that. No, I, I advise against that so much. Oh yeah. And you know, they tell you about, you know, when you look back, I mean, obviously it's hindsight's 2020, but you, you overlook in that time, the love bombing and the manipulation and you can't see it while you're quite in it, especially that quickly. And it's not like we live together uh, or anything like that. So it's not like I ever saw him behind closed doors. Everything that I was seeing was so upfront and, you know, in public that I never really got a real picture of who he was. Even though everyone said he was great, they were, they only saw him from the outside, not, not ever in the inside. So there wasn't any signs of like abuse or domestic violence before we were married it was actually after we got married and it was pretty quick after um after we got married we ended up uh in uh, getting a house new cars motorcycles and all of that and it was probably about two three weeks in that I started noticing a change and it was just really alarming things of being angry if I wasn't picking up my phone at work and just nonstop calling over and over and over and accusing me of cheating and not being where I'm supposed to be. And if I, and it was crazy to me because I'm like, you do the same job I do. You know that like we have calls. I can't just pick up my phone whenever, you know, I want, we're, we're busy. And so there was one night that that was going on and I finally was able to call him back and, you know, he just loses it and is telling me, you know, that he's going to call my captain and have me um, mentally evaluated because I was crazy and was going to cost me my job. And that just kind of struck me as a, wow, um, I've dealt with a lot in my life, but this is just someone trying to take the way I, I provide for my kids. It has never been something I've ever dealt with before. And so that was a huge red flag that I saw. And when you, when you said that he started off like manipulating you, I guess, or kind of give us an example of how he would manipulate you. Um, just that he was like, he hung, hung the stars in the sky and that he was going to be everything that I never had. And, you know, fill all the voids that I had in my life and hadn't fixed for myself that had I fixed it, I would have never married someone six months in, um, and convinced me that, you know, he was this good person. So really just putting on an act that complete narcissist then. Yeah. I mean, and I can't diagnose it, but definitely, I mean, he, you know, played up even how, you know, I found out later he, wasn't divorced as long as he was and he didn't have 50 50 custody and so he lied through the whole thing about how much involvement he had in certain people's lives that really he didn't and so it it just was a lot of a lot of lies that if I had more time I probably would have seen it and been able to maybe not be in that specific situation but I mean you never know 
One thing that we've I've heard on every one of the domestic violence shows are just the women that have came to the studio to talk about it, just to have somebody to cry on their shoulder type of deal is it always seems perfect. And then a switch gets flipped. That kind of sounds like the same thing with this. It's just all of a sudden yeah. it, it went overboard. Yeah. I mean, and that's uh, and it, I think because it was so quick and the, the change was so fast. It was so difficult for me to even wrap my head around it. Um, with my first marriage, it was real gradual. And the situation that I was in and the abuse that I went through with that, that that was more of a difficult situation to get out of because it was over such a long period of time that it wasn't it wasn't as, I guess, noticeable or you can you could make excuses for it. Whereas with this, it was it was just it was literally just something made him go off and he just lost it. So it, it was a, it's been it was an interesting, I guess, situation or the differences between the two that I just wasn't really expecting. And you can't really know beforehand sometimes, but. I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around. I have buddies that their wives don't understand their jobs or their girlfriends don't understand their jobs and they blow up their phone at work. But you being in the same field as him, that, that, that just sounds like a psycho. I mean, I, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, that just sounds, how do you, uh, I mean, you do the same job as this person, you know, that they can't be on their phone, but yet you blow their shit up. That, you, that should have been a huge red flag right there for your pretty ass to run. Uh, yeah. And that was in, that was probably the first time that I ever sat there and thought, you know, what did I get myself into? Because I do value marriage. And my thought is, is, I mean, you can't just leave the dude like, okay, do you, you know, is this, what kind of issue is this? Is this a, just an insecurity thing or is there a bigger issue and do you work it out? Do you just leave, you know? And so that, that thought, the first probably thought of what the hell came across then, because I, I don't know people that necessarily do this, especially when they do, like you said, they do the same job. They know yeah. that you're busy. They know that you can't just drop everything and, and pick it up, especially, I mean, we work 24 hour uh, shifts. So, I mean, it's not, and it's not foreign to him. He, he knows he, he did the same job and always had. So it, yeah, it was, it was pretty alarming. And, and he'd even like, and it was that right after that, that he even went and like me and my ex were not on good terms at all. He had done some crazy stuff and, um, he went behind my back, didn't even tell me that he was going to take the kids while I was at work to just go meet him and have dinner with them. And, and told me after the fact, and to me, that just that that struck me as also very disrespectful uh, that it, you would you would do that. He took your kids to have dinner with your ex-husband. Mm -hmm. And the uh, like the last time, like I had extended that to my ex-husband to meet him, he caused a huge scene in the middle of the restaurant and actually got kicked out uh, by everyone around because they were tired of how he was treating me which I commend every last one of those people in the restaurant because I'd never had anyone stand up for me. But it was after that, that I was like, I'm not putting my kids in this situation again. Like if it's his time, it can be his time, but I'm not going to go meet and have dinner because that sticks to kids in a horrible situation. I don't want to do that to them and them to witness that. And so, and that's why it was shocking to me that he knew this, this had just happened. And yet 
he's now stick took my kids didn't say anything and putting them back in that situation that that potentially could happen and so it just that was also huge uh red flag that was like "Mm, i don't like that did he know your husband beforehand he did not know him beforehand Mm -mm, no that is mind-blowing well i just i I, that's one i haven't heard i usually Mm. usually uh like when you hear about these these abusive situations, they hate the ex. That's kind of what I, I mean, I don't want anyone to hate anybody, but I had expected someone to have at least more of an understanding because they were my spouse of my side and kind of how things had gone and been respectful of it. Even if you didn't necessarily agree with it, there'd be a a sense of respect and and that wasn't there at all. Oh, no, no, I promise you. If just if, in those shoes for me, if I know your ex has been abusive to you, it's probably going to take everything that I've got, not to knock the shit out of him. Yeah. That, yeah. I'm it not going to sit down and break bread with him. Mm-hmm. And I actually had found out that they had dinner because my ex-husband actually reached out and told me dinner went well. And I was like, huh, interesting. And I'm at work, you know, two and a half hours away and it's like well this is this is fun to then now have to try to figure out while I'm at work and I can't call and figure anything out because I'm running calls all day so it, yeah that that was the next I guess a uh, pretty big red red flag and um and so I think it was pretty difficult with the next event for a lot of my family or people even to begin to wrap their head around because the everything else before other than this wasn't really, you know, a huge red flag until just right before. And it was after we got married that it really did. So, so at this point, how long have y'all been married around the dinner time? Uh, like three weeks, three, four weeks. Shit. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it was, it was pretty quick afterwards. I mean, cause we actually, we were only married two months and like 10 days total. So that's kind of how quick this all progressed and ended. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad it did. I'm glad it did. No woman deserves that. No, nobody, nobody male or female deserves that, but that's, no, that is yeah. ridiculous, dude. Uh, well, well, and I'll, no, you oh, go, sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Well, it, well, and I, at least I can say I had a luxury that a lot of people didn't of getting out when I did, I know a lot of people, it takes a lot longer and I do feel very fortunate that it was only, you know, the total of two months and, and 10 days of, of being married to him. But I, I know that a lot of people don't actually get that. So. No, some people are stuck. That's mm-hmm. what I, I try my best when we do these domestic violence things to remind people that, you know, there, there's a lot of folks that are worried about, you know, being financially unstable if they leave somebody but being mentally stable is worth a whole lot more than the money in your bank account. You know, not being uh, yeah. scared all the fucking time. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, if you're worried about the kids, think about the, the effect that the kids are going to have on the kids seeing that domestic violence. Oh, yeah. Well, that was actually uh, the reason why I left my first marriage was, I mean, I'd always tried to leave and couldn't, but my best friend's mom, she talked to me one night, like two until two in the morning. And she said, you know, Corinne, kids can, can thrive and be okay coming from a broken home, but not in one. And it, when she said that a light bulb went off my head, like, oh my God, why have I, I I'm an idiot, you know? And, and I know I'm not, but 
it was just one of those things that when she said that it was like, no, you, you have to get out. And the kids deserve to have a life that isn't this. They deserve to be happy and healthy and not have the long lasting effects of what staying in this home really would be. And that that changed my perspective uh, entirely on it. You're a badass. I, I know. I know. For you, it was a little bit different because you know you, you like you said, you had a support system. Some people don't, but mm-hmm. they're yeah. on what she told you was a hundred percent right. I come from a home of domestic violence, and it wasn't one way. It was both. It was both parents mm-hmm. going at it. One was started sometimes, the other was started other. It's just very bad. And my sister and me, we both have crippling probably effects from it. Uh, but I mean, we both get by. We're not we're not, we're not too fucked up, but we could have been. Um, but some people, you know, there's, you know, I feel bad for them and I feel bad that they don't put their kids first. So the fact that you did put your kids first and knew that it was something that you had to get your kids away from, I, I got a lot of respect for that. Thank you. Very welcome. After, after all this, after the dinner and everything, um, Kind of give us a rundown. I know you said y'all only been married three weeks at this time and then upcoming weeks, what was going on? So um, when you're divorced and have kids, most people have, you know, that their kids can go to the non-custodial parent for like 30 days for the summer. And that's what was coming up. Um, my, I'd never had that before. I didn't kind of know what to expect. That was really scary for me because I've always had my kids. My, my kids are babies. And so not having them for 30 days was really alarming to me. And honestly, it made me depressed because uh, my kids are my world if I wasn't working. And so they, they went to their dads for the summer and it was pretty, it, it was hard. And not only that, but I had my first daughter, Hayden. Uh, she was actually stillborn and her birthday uh, is also the beginning of July. And so I had that birthday and my kids gone all at once. And that's her birthday has always been hard for me. I think it always will. And um, that uh, not having my kids on top of that meant that that was just very, it was rough and I was depressed and not angry, mad, just, I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to, you know, be, be alone and hopefully have support of him. And I didn't have that at all. It, it, me actually being upset about my kids being gone and my daughter actually pissed him off a lot. It pissed him off. Yeah. Oh, I fucking hate this guy. Yeah. And I think when I've always said, you know, when you're with someone go through all the seasons and I mean all seasons of happiness sadness all those moments because until you see how someone reacts and you you don't know them and I'd never thought for a moment that me being upset over my daughter you know being gone and my kids being gone for the summer that that would make someone angry I never comprehended that I I never thought that would even be a possibility it shouldn't have been a possibility darling no oh no not at all not for any decent human being anyway And so I was upset that morning and it was supposed to be my nieces and nephews birthday. And we were supposed to be going there and help set up. And I was texting my sister-in-law. I was like, look, I I can't go. I'm just, I'm, I'm too depressed. I just, I just want to be left alone and not feel like I have to put on a front for everybody. And this, uh, she was real understanding 
and was kind about it. And of course, my husband, he was like, no, you know, you're ruining everything and that he's going. And I'm, I don't know, I'm, I won't do this anymore. But I was the one that was like, no, I don't want anyone else thinking like we're fighting. So I'll, I'll get up and just go, just come back. We'll go together. And so I get up, get dressed and we go together in the car and it was a, it was a tense car ride, but it wasn't like fighting or anything. It just was tense because he was just angry that I was ruining the day because I was depressed. So we go to the birthday party and I kind of start getting out of my funk and really enjoying my time over there with, with her family. They've always been so kind. I've always loved them and was like, okay, this was good for me. I got out. I'm getting to enjoy myself and seeing my nieces and nephews and family. And so we're in the kitchen and my sister-in-law, she brings up my first husband. She's like, well, how long does he have the kids? You know, she doesn't know. And I tell her, oh, he's got them, you know, for 30 days. And she's like, oh, okay. And of course my Carrie, he's my husband at the time. He was sitting there and he overhears her talking about him and he gets angry, just absolutely angry that you know she's now brought him up and that's uh, just ruined the whole birthday for 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 us and I mean you look back at pictures now and I look at him and any of the pictures of him don't even look like him like he looks just angry and like he's almost got like black eyes in all of his pictures and it's really kind of weird when I look back and can see that um but so we we're at the party and he's like, we're, we're, we're leaving. We got to go. We actually had a friend's engagement party that we were going to or supposed to go to that evening. And he was like, well, we're going to go and get ready for that. So I was like, okay, I guess we're leaving and go to get in the car. And I can tell he's just, he's pissed. And so as he's starts talking to me and telling me I've ruined everything and we're not going to this party, he takes off in the car and start speeding like insane going, you know, 65, 75 in a 30 residential area. And I'm like, no, stop, stop the car. We're not doing this. We're like, let me out of the car. And at one point, you know, he hits the unlock button going, you know, 70 miles an hour down the road. And he's like, you're going to get out fine, but you're going to be jumping while it's while we're going this fast. And, um, I continue yelling at him to stop. And he's, telling me that we're going to die. And I'm like, no, we're not. And end up hitting the dashboard on the car, just, you know, pissed, telling them, screaming at him to stop. And I I realized that this isn't me saying anything. isn't making him stop at all. It's just making it worse. So I shut up and wherever we end up, end up, I guess is where we're ending up. But I I decided that I wasn't going to yell and tell him to stop anymore because it wasn't working. That was probably smart. Um, I mean, that's when you're in a situation like that, where there's no out and especially not a safe out, like antagonizing it probably doesn't help at all. Mm -mm. Yeah. I mean, I wish somebody could have got you at a red light and snatched your ass out of there, but since Mm -hmm. that probably wasn't going to happen because nobody knew what was going on. Yeah. You know, know, being quiet until you can get away is probably the way to Mm -hmm. be. So, yeah, and, and he he was then telling me, you know, we're not going to this engagement party that I've ruined it all. I've ruined the whole day. And I mean, I was like, whatever. I just want out of this car. So he does drive home and I get inside and I'm like, OK, well, I'm 
I need space. And so I went in the kitchen and I'm getting a glass of water and trying to cool down, wrapping my head around what just happened. And I can hear um, in our bedroom, we had our safe, uh, one of those real large safes, and, and I can hear the buttons on it being pushed. And I thought that was weird, but didn't think too much of it and just kind of gave us some time. And finally, I was like, OK, well, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to talk to him and figure out what what's going on, because this just isn't OK. And it was as I was walking in there that I, I started to realize that this is not a normal situation. And uh, he had pulled out one of the chairs like in the middle of the room and has a bottle of crown uh, with him and has and he's chugging it. And he's also got a handgun and is waving it around and starts to, to yell at me. And I don't think at that moment I could really process what was even going on. I can't process um, it now. Yeah, it was because it just was like, well, wait a minute. Like we go from just being angry to driving erratic to now we have a gun and it, it nothing just was nothing was making sense at all. There, and I couldn't I couldn't come up with a reason why it was becoming like this, like all because I was depressed over my daughter and my kids being gone. That just seems insane to me. So we're sit. Uh, I realized that okay. So this is kind of where we're at, and I'm like, well, what's going on? You know, this isn't normal. This isn't okay. And I'm trying to talk him through, like, put the gun down. Let's try to, you know, deescalate this. And where I'm not trying to antagonize it. I, I'm not wanting to fight. I'm just trying to get him to put it down and walk away from it. And he's going off about you know that I ruin everything and that I'm the problem and that this was going to be how it ends that we both were dying today and that um I hadn't seen half of the evil that was inside of him yet but he was going to let me know by the end of it exactly who he was and that statement has kind of always stuck with me that to, to even say that I don't know that's just hmm. Oh, that, it's kind of that that is an evil. I mean, there's nothing like I, I talk on this show a whole lot about how you have to have preachers and warriors in this world. And the reason why you have to have warriors in this world is because of assholes like him. Like you, you have to have people that are ready to combat that situation, like whether it's a police officer or a, a friend of yours or whatever. Because people who have that much evil in them, they they've got to be stopped. Like they, they have mm -hmm. to. They are a cancer. They are the. There is so much evil in somebody like like no person should be able to say that shit. Like mm -hmm. if I if I was to say it, it should physically make me fucking sick. Exactly. Well, and it was and right after that he had then told me about how when he was a kid that he had a grandma figure that they'd stick kittens in a brown paper sack and light them on fire and brutally murder these kittens. And Oh, darling, you finna have your own Netflix documentary. <laughs> Holy I mean, he, shit. He, he said that he then told me that he, um, his dad would load up a revolver or load put one bullet in it and put it in his mouth and play Russian roulette and pull the trigger. And then had even said about how he was in high school 
And he actually said, told me that he murdered a kid and got away with it. And I'm sitting here, just my jaws on the floor, like, oh my God, I have, I have, yeah, mine is too. And nobody's warned me about him. Like, there's no indication that this was who we were before. And he kind of goes in detail about killing this kid. And I, like I said, I'm, I'm not able to quite wrap my head around this other than I, what I'm doing is not working. Um, and so that, that was when I decided that I'm, I'm going for the gun and whatever happens, happens. Cause I mean, at this point I'm kind of accepting that this is kind of the reality of, of what I'm in. And so, yeah, I went, I went after him with a gun and, uh, him being a fireman and his background in MMA and fighting. And I was obviously, uh, outnumbered. I ended up getting dragged by my hair through the house and huge welts on my legs from the floor, scraping all the skin off. Um, he actually tried to put his fist up against my nose and force it through my face. Um, and, uh, hit me in the face with, with a gun and busted my lip and, and hit my teeth. And it, I don't know it, that, that moment, it was so quick, but it felt like eternity and I'm trying to understand how do you get out of that? And so he ended up then telling me after I had kind of was laying there because I, was like I, I I'm not winning this I'm just not and he's like well that he was finishing me off and he was getting on a motorcycle and I'm gonna go run it into somebody else to kill them and I was like well hell no to that because if I'm dying we're not bringing someone else into this like we're both been just dying we're not we're not hurting anyone else that's innocent that has nothing to do with this so we're we're going into the garage he was trying to get on the bike and I ended up getting on the bike to get him off of it and trying to knock him off. And all of a sudden he starts having a seizure and I've been a first responder for 10 years. I know what a seizure looks like, and this is not it. This is being faked and he still has a gun on him. And, um, I'm thinking, trying to figure out getting that off of him while he's having this fake seizure. And also realizing that he's insane. Like this guy's not just insane, but like we're mentally insane. I don't know people that fake seizures or, or this. Uh-uh. And I didn't have my phone at all. And so finally, when this seizure stops, I'm like, okay, well, let's play this a different way. What if it's okay, we need to get you help. Let's, let's call 911. Let's get you help. You just had a seizure. You've maybe hit your head. Maybe there's eternal bleeding. We need to get it looked at. And it's no, you know, it's fine. I've always had these, you know, since I was a kid and that he just needs sugar water, sugar water. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I hate this fucking guy. And I'm sitting here thinking I'm, I'm offended that you think now that I'm the stupid. So, and he's talking like he's making it where his whole left side doesn't work and, you know, holding half his mouth shut, trying to limp and needing help in the house. And so I help him into the house and 
I'm trying to convince them, let's call 911. Let's, you just got to get looked at, you know, everything's going to be fine. It'll be looked at and trying to use this as my way out. And it's no, no, no. Um, just need sugar water. So I went to the kitchen and I'd realized that I had gotten one of the kids. If you have kids, everyone has these nasty water bottle, kids bottles that yeah. sit in the car that's rolled up underneath and realized that there's one in the sink. And I opened that son of a bitch up and pour it in a glass of moldy ass, whatever, and pour some sugar in it. And I gave it to him to drink. I like and your style. I, I don't know what made me think of it. And it makes me laugh. I mean, at certain things, unfortunately, you laugh at because, I mean, if you don't laugh, you cry. And that's right. I, there, there's been enough crying. But, but yeah, so did that. And yeah, he, he drank it. Um, but after that, I actually have no memory for the next six hours of the for yeah the next six hours of that day um it's completely gone uh I don't know if it's trauma that made me lose that I don't know if it was being drugged um at all I I don't know and that's been pretty difficult honestly to deal with of not knowing and knowing what he was capable of of what really happened during those six hours um I've I've read some stuff on that because like doing the the job that I do I'm obviously not a licensed therapist or whatever anything like that but your your brain is sometimes a very beautiful and sometimes a very ugly thing depending on mm-hmm. I I deal with depression and anxiety I think it's I think my brain's trash sometimes but there's sometimes that our brain just blocks out shit because we don't mm-hmm. need to know that it's there and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what you went through or whatever, but if you, your brain's not allowing you to to remember it or know what happened, it's probably for the fucking best. And that's that's I I see counselor uh, like once a week because of all of this. And that's I mean she's always said that we tried you know doing EMDR to see if we could bring some of it back to deal with it, and it it's never worked. And I'm trying to accept that that's that's probably better for me. Um, yeah. to, to not know. So the next thing I remember is I actually remember waking up in my uh, closet. I, I don't know how I got there or anything like that, uh, but I was laying in the, my closet floor and woke up and was sitting there thinking or trying to think, cause I didn't feel, I felt off. Something just wasn't right. I, and like I said, that's where I don't know. I don't know why, but I just, I felt off and was like, where are the car keys? And was trying to think back real hard of how to get out. And I remembered that when we came in the house, I'd heard a a clank. And when I heard the clank, I was like, oh my God, I remember exactly what this was. It was him throwing the keys and they hit this flower pot that I had. And so I remember getting out of the closet and going in there into the, the entryway and looking for the keys and and I found him and I took off. I don't know where he was at that moment at all. Um, but I got in the car and I was like, I I couldn't, we had just moved here. So I I didn't know where anything is. And all I kept thinking was get to my dad, get to my dad. Um, my dad's always been, sorry. He's always been my, it's okay. Take your time, bro. He's always been my, my hero in that's all I could think of was get to my dad. And, um, the n- next thing that I was able to recall, cause this, this 
in here was very difficult for me to remember. It took a while. Um, I only had like snapshots of it until I went to therapy. Um, but my phone kept going off and I realized, oh my God, my phone's in the, in the floorboard of the car. And I had pulled over into the, a, a parking lot to get it and I'd pick it up and then realize that it's, it's Carrie and he's nonstop calling my phone that, and tell me he's killing himself. He's committing suicide and, you know, blaming me for everything. And that this is it for him. He's, he's, he's doing it. And I wish a lot of people ask why, because of course, what do I do? I turn around. Oh no. Yeah. And and I'm like, and I sit here today and I'm like, what the hell were you thinking? And so the more that I tried to real understand why would I do that is, was one, you know, it's a spouse and you're like, I love this person. I don't want them to do this themselves. And then I also think that, and part of it was as a first responder, you're taught, especially, I mean, you have seconds to live when you're in that situation and calling 911 and doing that. Yeah. You can, people call 911 for that stuff, but sometimes it's too late. And first, and maybe in my head, I was thinking I can get to them quicker. I'm I'm not quite sure. And uh, I turned around and drove back, got to the house and I run in. And the second I opened my front door, all I smell is blood. Um, and I know a lot of people are like, well, you should have turned around then and, and left. But my thought then when I smelled blood was he did do this and I've got to get to him quick because this is it. And um, You're I a better person than I am. That's all I can tell well, you. In, in our job, I've had to save criminals. I've had people literally who have shot at us that we had to return fire and then treat their wounds. Um, murderers who've you know, chopped off a spouse's head and then slit their own throat and then save them. I mean, and these are horrible people and I don't get to play God. I don't get to decide whether who lives and dies. And I, I value life, even if you're a disgusting person. And I think that played a lot into me trying to then still help him. Um, and it, it's a, it's a, you know, a blessing and a curse, I guess all at once. I, th- I think um, it's beautiful. I mean, honestly, you know, there's, there's got, the world's got to have people like you to combat or to balance people like him. So it's kind of like a really beautiful fucked up story that you've told so far, because it does really sound like good versus evil here. And even in, you know, that moment where you could have picked to drop to his level, you decided not to, and you decided to do what was best for you and your heart and your soul. And, you know, there's something beautiful about it. Well, thank you. It's, I know at the end of the day, I have to be able to live with myself. And I mean, if I get judged by a million people because I chose what I could live with myself, no. then so be it. You know, no, I don't, I don't, I think anybody that judges you for that, because for a second there, like I was thinking to myself, and this is what I've done. I'd have let him do it. And I'm, mm-hmm. I, I teach classes on not doing committing suicide, but I also think that there's some evil in this world that you can't get rid of that needs to get the hell out of here. And however they mm-hmm. want to be sent to God or sent to the devil, that that's up to them. But I, I can't sit here and say that I would have made the same decision as you, but I think that you made 
the best decision for your mental health and everything else the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, um, I guess looking back other than, you know, the dumb decisions like, you know, getting married and those things, I do go that I think I can sit where I am because of those decisions that I, I made. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, uh, I, yeah, went in and immediately smelt blood and I actually, I threw up, um, like all over my entryway, um, from the smell and, uh, and I think realizing kind of what I was walking into mental, like mentally in everything, just, it made me so sick and, uh, I'm finding like blood trails through my house and then i can hear something in the kitchen and I turn the corner and there's it. I don't always know how to explain it. I call them blood piles or puddles, whatever you want to call it, like just yeah. large quantities of, of blood it, all in my floor and it's on the kitchen counters. It's on the trash can. It's, it's everywhere. And I see him and he's not dead. He's, he's standing here and there he's covered. His arms are all covered in blood. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, you know, what, what has just happened? And he's like, you know, you're not supposed to have walked in on this. And, um, you know, I just had an accident and what I was thinking and what it looks like was he had cut marks on his arms and it looks like he had obviously cut his arms open and was bleeding out. And I actually didn't know until after all of this, when I went back on my ring video, because our house is has surveillance, he installed them, that that's not what happened at all. Um, as being a medic and fireman, he actually had taken stuff from work and had IV kits. And I have it on video that he went and got a IV cap and had put it in his artery and bled himself in spots in the house. I, I, t- also, I take it back. You should have let him fucking die. It Well, and then he put it in the food he was making um, and put it all inside of the chili. And I think that was, that's why it was one so pungent in the house, the way it smelled, because he was boiling his own blood. Um, and then... Uh, like on the video, it's even got like, he takes a knife out of the butcher block and he's dipping it in these piles of blood and making like fake cut marks on his arm. And, uh, then at one point he is, you know, digging in it to keep it bleeding so he can make more mess everywhere, I guess. And a lot of people ask why. And I think it was just purely to terrorize the hell out of me. I, that's the only thing I can come up with. Do you think it was for you to walk back in the door and him knowing the kind of heart you had to sympathize with him and try to fix mm-hmm. him? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think he also knew like I had a bit of an issue with blood because of a murder that we had. It was, and it wasn't like an issue. It was just, I was sensitive to uh, the smell of it in general. And so I think he played off of that by <clears throat> making it, so pungent and overwhelming that he knew it would, it would hit a spot in me that was already a weak spot. And so I think he played off of that entirely. I'm telling you, uh, I've heard some fucked up stories. This guy Mm -hmm. is a fucking serial killer. There's, this this is off. I mean, there's holy shit. I'm my jaw never drops. Well, and that's, you're, you're just blowing my mind. 
Well, and that was, I just kept sitting there going, what the hell? Like I, I couldn't keep up with it. I could not, it was just one thing after another layer, after layer, after layer that I could not, I couldn't grasp that this is who this person was. But the moment I saw him is the moment that I was like, why the fuck did I come back? Like there's, you know, I should not have come back. And, um, and that's when he was like, well, you know what? We're going to uh, sit down and we're going to have one last meal together before we die. And I'm like, of the fucking blood chili. Of Fuck blood chili. this guy. Good God. And so, yeah, he, he ends up telling me I've got to sit down. We're going to watch a movie and have this like romantic evening. What and movie? <laughs> I don't even know. I wish I could remember. Cause I actually was thinking about that the other day of what was the movie? Like I haven't, I don't, I don't know, but, but yeah, we were going to have one last meal together and it was going to be, yep, the blood chili. I did not eat. Um, he made me a bowl. I did not eat. But he did. He definitely ate. And that, when I looked back at the video, I guess, and I'm thinking of all this, I'm like, my God, you're crazy. You're just absolutely crazy. Didn't you post and, some of the ring <laughs> video on your TikTok? Yes. And actually, TikTok, uh, I knew would take down a lot of it. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Um, because of the gore and they did like they they didn't even like I couldn't even keep up the ones of me afterwards I mean so yeah a lot was taken uh, taken down but yeah I have like the whole blood event actually it's it's all on on tape and um like some of the audio of them and uh it's it, if I didn't have those I think I mentally would be insane because I, I don't know how you explain this to anyone and then believe you until you show it. And then they're like, holy shit. Like yeah, if, if you didn't have the ring serious. footage, if you didn't have the ring footage, I think some of this would be unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you had, I mean, I hate that it ever happened, but I'm glad you have mm -hmm. evidence that it happened. Well, and that's, I think that always broke my heart for a lot of women is I hoped that, and, and me posting the videos, it's, it's not to shame him. I have no problem exposing him for who he is. I mean, we don't protect abusers. That's my motto anyways. Absolutely, darling. I mean, uh, you made your choice. If you didn't want people to know about it, you shouldn't have done it. And But the point of the ring videos was so that people could understand that there are these people out there. And when someone comes to you with an outrageous story, believe them. Believe them. Because I have evidence of this. And even with my evidence it's still court went so south and it made no sense. And so if I have all this, what are the women who go through this and have no evidence? They're, they're not believed. They're not heard. And I wanted to bring awareness to friends and family to see it and kind of get an insight of it so that they wouldn't be the ones doubting them. And that that's not added trauma to their family or friend that does come to them. Um, before we get into how court went south, because I don't even I don't know that part yet either. How did you get out of after the blood chili? To explain to folks what happened after it, all that happened, and you you got away because I'm I mean you obviously got away. So um, I ended up. He sent me off to my room because he was like, "I'm I'm tired of looking at you. You don't want to eat. You don't want to participate. Go to your go to the room. I'm sick of looking at you. You're disgusting." And so I went to the room and I laid there and was like, okay, he's going to fall asleep. We're going to get the fuck out. And he didn't, he did not go to sleep. He was on his phone all night. And, um, so that next morning, uh, he was up and around, he was cleaning the kitchen 
um, to clean, I guess, up some of the blood. And he came out and he was like, I'm, I'm leaving town and I don't think you're going with. And I was just sitting in the chair and was like, great. I'm like, we're, we're at, we're at it. And, um, oh, you're good. Sorry. It's okay. And, um, so, um, I'm sitting in our chair and as I'm sitting there and he's berating me and he's at the counter and he's um, playing with my son's toys and also messing with the bullets and the gun. And so he's, uh, he's doing that and I'm just ignoring him. Like I've got, I've got to get out. And my dog that we just got uh, about maybe two weeks, he starts barking at him like, and he's turning around he's barking at him, barking at him. And like, he doesn't like him and I don't blame him. And as I'm watching the dog do this, all of a sudden he turns around and he goes after my dog and starts strangling my dog. And it was, I think probably fight or flight mode that kicked in watching that. I, I froze because I was like, I'm next, I'm next. And I, as he's doing that and finishes, uh, the dog, uh, got, got, wiggled away and he takes the dog takes off and I get up and I'm going in my room going I'm grabbing my bag I'll go out a window this is it and so next thing I know I turn around and uh he's walked in and he sees my bag he's like oh you think you're you're leaving you think you're fucking leaving me you know and I was like you know no no I'm just and as I'm in the middle of trying to say no I'm just picking up my stuff he uh grabs me by my throat and um, start slamming me up against the wall and strangling me. And um, all I thought of was my kids that I'd, I'd never seen again, that this, I lived a life that I wished I could have done better and differently and that my kids deserved so much more than this. Um, and uh, basically said my goodbyes. And I don't wish that on, on anybody at all. It's uh, that in itself is a pretty horrific thing to, to come to really come to terms with. And in that moment, I did. Uh, and then he actually, he ended up letting go. And he then grabbed a rifle. Uh, and I don't know if he, if it was under the bed or where it was, um, but he grabbed a rifle. I watched him load it. He took the safety off. He put the gun in his mouth and uh, he pulled the trigger over and over and it did not go off. Um, and, but in my head, it did. Uh, I've been on many suicides as a fireman and I always had the aftermath that I show up after everything's done. And they're always difficult to run on. And then, but I never saw, like, you're not there for before. And when he did the before, my brain connected the two. And when he did that, I saw every suicide I'd ever been on in my life. And so in my head, as I watched it, he did commit suicide. And that's actually what ended up giving me PTSD um, is was watching that event right there and then 
knowing everything from work, but it, it, it was as if he really did. It was a hole. And, um, but it didn't, the gun didn't go off. And then he actually turned it around and started hitting himself with the butt of the gun into his face and it knocked himself out. And when it knocked him out, I, uh, it took me a second to realize he's not dead. Corinne, he's not dead. Get out, get out, get out. And I was able to collect myself. I got up, I took our dog that he had strangled and, and we took off and got in the car. And, um, all I kept thinking was, was I couldn't find the police department because in Maybank where we, where we lived, it's like in a strip mall. It's not like a normal police station. It mm-hmm. literally looks like a little, you know, like mall. a substation it's, or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not like anything else. And we've moved, we just moved there and I don't work in this town, so I don't know what it looks like. So couldn't figure it out. And then I remembered from before with my first marriage that when I went and got help from the women's shelter that uh, you have a safety plan and the safety plan, basically you have a list of, of addresses that like hospitals and families and friends places that when you can't think in these moments, it's already written out. And you also have like people's phone numbers on there. And all I thought was, was my friend, my friend is on this caller, caller, caller. And I call her and I'm like, telling her what happened. She's like, Corinne, call 911. And I literally asked her, how do I call 911? Like, that's the state of, I guess, mind that it just, it doesn't work. Um, uh, And she was like, Corinne, it's 911. You just hang up the phone and and call 911. And I told her, I was like, but if I hang up the phone with you now, I have nobody. What if they don't answer? What if 911 doesn't answer? And then I'm left alone again. And I don't want to hang up with anybody that I finally have gotten a hold of. And the next thing I know, I look up and Carrie has gotten in the car. He has tracked my phone and he has hit the front end of my car with the other car and is like hanging out the window, laughing and making a scene. And she was like, hang up the phone and you've got to call 911 now. And so I do. And as I'm calling 911, he then speeds off and, 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 and leaves. So I'm talking to 911 and they're trying to figure out, well, where are you? And I have no idea any address. The only address I can come up with was my street that we, you know, our house was on. And so I tell them, okay, it, it'll be on that street, but I'm not, I'm not going in. I'm not, you know, getting out of my car. I'm not letting anyone in. But I knew that when I drove to my street, cause that's the only address I had, at least they could get to me. And so I drove back to my street and was sitting there. The police showed up pretty quick. And um, when they did, uh, they're trying to talk to me, but I'm, I'm hysterical and I'm not able to really talk and explain what's all gone on uh, other than we needed an ambulance. He's tried to kill himself. There's all these guns and there's blood and trying to give a rundown of it. But um, the officer was having a difficult time understanding. And he was like, well, who do like, who can I call? Let me call someone. And he just takes my phone and he's going through it and listing off names. And um, he was asking also, where, where would my ex go? And I was like, oh my gosh, he's, he's probably gone to pick up his kid. He cannot go get his kid after this. Like, she would be in danger. Like, oh my God. And he was like, well, where is that? And I was like, my brother's house. He's at, she's at my brother's house. And so they call him to figure out 
if he's already showed up to get his, his kid or not. And he already had. And um, then they were trying to tell my brother, hey, this is kind of what's going on. Can you come out and calm her down? Like we can't figure out what's going on entirely. And so he's trying to talk to me a little bit. And then the next thing I see is our neighbor, Dylan, who was his best friend, he pull his car pulls up next to mine and stops because he sees, you know, there's three cop cars in front of our house. And he's like, you know, oh my God, what's, what's going on? And I start telling him like, this is our friend of what's gone on. And his friend, he gets in the car and is listening to me. And the next thing's out of his mouth are, why did you call the police? They're only going to make this worse. We could have handled this ourselves. Fuck that guy too. Yeah. And, and that was where I sat there going, my nightmare is not ending. This is continuing. This isn't stopping. And realized this, this is not my friend. This isn't, this isn't even Carrie's friend because anyone that's a friend would be like, Carrie, you need help. And we're getting you help today. Like uh, you're my friend and I care about you. And that wasn't what it was. It was, let's try to, that we should be covering this up. And so Carrie ends up pulling up in the driveway and the police like, Oh, is this him? And I'm like, yes, yes it is. And uh, so they're talking to him and Carrie is like, he has no blood on his arms. He has no cut marks. And I told him about the cutting and everything else. And there isn't any of that. It's all gone. And I was confused because it was like, no, like there's lots of blood. There's cuts. I saw them. And he's like, she's just crazy. She's insane. You know, she's just mad that she doesn't have her kids for the summer and she wants to take mine away. And I'm listening to this and I'm like, oh my God, like this, this is insane. Like no one's believing me. Everyone's acting like this isn't real. The police never went into my home. Why they didn't they go in your looked- house? I don't know. Actually, uh, if you look at protocol in any of the police departments that have talked to me about this, they did not do anything the right way at all. Uh, they wanted me to write my statement of the abuse within six feet of my husband. And, uh, and I was shaking so bad. I couldn't even write my statement. And actually in one of the police reports, his report is that I was shaking so bad. I couldn't write. And the fact that they dealt with this situation the way they did means that they have very little training and how to deal with domestic violence situations and how to treat a victim because was they should he have a removed firefighter me. in that county. Mm-hmm. He was no, he wasn't. No, but he did have a lot of friends, and they tried to play it off as, I mean, they were telling the police and the ambulance people, no, don't let him go. It'll ruin his career. Come on, it's going to be okay. Like, be buddy buddy. And I'm sitting here going, I'm a fireman too. I'm just as much as your sister and brother as he is like, protect me too. And, and that's, it wasn't how that went. And it was trying to protect him. So they, they didn't go in the home. They actually let his friend go into our home and take all of the guns out of the house and take them um, into his custody. And it's just so much of that just was so messed up. It made no sense. Um, it makes no sense now. No. And, uh, the police, I, whenever people say defund police, it, I'm always like, no, we should fund them more because they need to be educated. They need better and, training. This, 
and, and yeah, and, and this to me was a clear sign of lack of training. Um, and because of that, it potentially let somebody off the hook. They did decide though that he was going to go in the ambulance and he was going to go to a mental facility. And uh, they at least decided on that the right way. Um, and so they sent him in the ambulance and his friend came over once he was in the ambulance and was like, hey, I'm going to take um, his kid to uh, her mom and don't worry about it. I, I've got it. And I was like, OK, sitting here thinking, you know, just trying to process everything. And that's not what happened. He actually called my sister-in-law and was dropped the kid off with her and said, don't tell don't tell her mom um, that any of this happened, that she'll try to get full custody because it's happened again. And the we're all fuck. like, again, like again. And um, so we're like, OK, so this isn't new. This is we we've known about this and we've just covered and lied for him. And um, the next thing I know, my dad's pulling up next to me in his car. And I'm confused because I'm like, oh, wait, why? Like, I haven't even had a chance to call anybody. Well, how is my dad here? How does he know what's going on? And the next thing he says is, hey, Carrie just called me and had told me that you were having, you know, an episode and wanted me to come check on you because you were, you know, acting kind of erratic. And I immediately kind of lose my shit because I'm like, what the, what the fuck? And I, I was like, no, like, that's like, no, Carrie's just been taken away for, you know, the mental hospital and, um, explained to him in a short runaround of he's had a gun in the last two days, been stuck in the house. And as I'm telling him this, my dad's like, oh my God. And he's like, hold up. And, you know, he tells, he, he tries to talk to him. He calls Carrie and Carrie's like, well, yeah, I had a gun, but I mean, I just, I might've made a couple mistakes. And that was, that was the end of that with my dad and him. Cause my dad immediately hung up the phone was like, mm, fuck this guy. And, um, went to then deal with his friend and talk to him about it. Cause I told him, you know, that he was like, don't tell anybody. And he even told my dad, yeah, I told her that we shouldn't have called the police. We could handle it ourselves. And it was really just appalling that, that, that anyone would ever think that that way. Um, and my dad tried to convince me to come with him, let me go with, go with him and everything will be, you know, we'll figure it out and take whatever steps we need to. And I'm independent and I'm stubborn and was like, Nope, I want to get my stuff, pack it. And I'm leaving. I'm, I'm getting a hotel. Uh, I don't want to be here. And so that's what I did was I went back to my house to pack a bag and Carrie actually ended up logging into our ring and kept setting off the house alarm to terrorize me as I'm packing my bag. Oh, I want to fucking, <laughs> oh, I want to kill this guy. And then he's even like, he's coming over the ring saying, you're going to die. You're going to die. And sending me text messages, threatening me that I better, uh, it was, uh, they're taking me away. You better enjoy it because it's only going to last a little bit. And then I'm done. How did he have his phone if he was at a mental facility? <laughs> Well, they took him to a, what 
usually, or what I thought happened was when they take you, they take you straight to the mental facility and they actually end up taking, took him to a regular hospital to first be checked out and then be transferred to the mental facility. So that's why he still had his phone and was making all these phone calls. And I had called my driver um, from work and had said, hey, you know, uh, this is what's going on. And he goes, just call the police back, call the police back. So I did. I called the police back and said, he is threatening me over our alarm system. He's setting it off and trying to terrorize me. Is there anything y'all can do? And they were like, yeah, we can. So they went up to the hospital. They actually took his phone, the nurse and them. And they told him, you know, you're looking at a lot of charges and you might want to stop while you're ahead and you're making the situation a lot worse. Leave her alone. And the police officer that went out to the hospital, he came by the house and was like, okay, um, explained how it works, that the state takes over, that when you have a spouse that has, that does domestic violence, that they don't put the spouse in a position where they have to prosecute them, that they take over and they do it. The state does it entirely with or without me. And he'll have to deal with that. And they had told me to come back in the morning. And when I came back in the morning to, I could get, uh, start the process for the protective order. And, um, I was like, okay. So packed a bag, went and checked into a hotel and was trying to get myself just trying to process it. And I ended up having one of the guys, uh, he sat with me overnight just so that I could try to get some sleep. I didn't, but um, just so that I'd feel somewhat safe. And uh, so um, the next day I get up and I go down to the police station and I'm like, you know, that about the protective order and the cop, he looks at me and he's like, for what? I'm like, well, for the, for yesterday. And he's like, oh, I don't have any reports about yesterday. I was like, what do you mean? You don't have any reports about yesterday? He goes, you're just a bitter ex-wife. He's just going after her, her husband. And I'm like, and I start to freak out and break down. Cause I'm like, no, I'm not y'all. Y'all told me. And I told him that the officer had told me to come by to get the protective order. And he was like, well, he should have never told you that because you know, that's not going to happen. And I start crying and he literally told me, maybe, you know what you need, you need to go get some counseling. <laughs> and I guess I was just, I knew I've heard stories of cops being jerks, but not, not to the quite extent of you're not a victim. You just need to go get counseling and you're just crazy. So, uh, but, okay. Yeah. So, so I, I've got a couple questions for, for, yeah. going. okay. Uh, Sorry. no, you're good. No, you're good. You're good. This is, it's just a lot. It's just, a, yeah. it's, it's a very, it's just, it's a lot. So first off, if there's no reports, I don't understand how there's no reports, but he's in, they took his phone there. He's in care of the hospital or the psychiatric unit or whatever the hell it would be called. How is there no reports about it? Uh, there actually was reports. Uh, he just wasn't wanting to do his job is what it came okay. down to. Okay. That's what I'm getting to. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, he, so the listener, cause I have to ask questions from the listeners point. Yeah. Of view. All right. So, and if I'm confused about it, I know they are. Um, yeah. so what had just happened was, was there was reports, but 
he was not going to acknowledge the reports because he thought you were just being a bitter wife pretty much like you were just pissed off and, and he you were making up stories is what he yeah. was implying yeah and he'd even said okay. just to ruin his career and it, I was just like no no it's not and actually and I, I meant to say this earlier was when he was terrorizing me over the ring I had realized at the same moment he did oh my god this is all on tape like this whole event's on tape and I had logged on and realized, download it, start downloading. And um, I guess when I realized that, so did he. And I'm watching videos just disappear. And I'm like, oh, my God, now it's a race between I've got to download this while he's deleting them. And so I started the top to bottom because he had started from the bottom up. And so I don't have I don't have all of it. I do have from his blood event on. And, um, so yeah, I had those and I had wished the six hours I missed, I, I was, was like, I wish I could go back, you know, and see the videos and, and know, but I mean, obviously I, I can't do that, but, um, but so we had, the, I had the videos downloaded and when the cop was telling me that about, you know, being bitter and I needed to go get counseling and that's all I needed. And I was like, well, I got the videos and he kind of looked up from his desk and was like videos. And I was like, yeah, got some videos. Well, you know, would you uh, like to see them? And, and that was when he decided that he might want to listen and he pulls them up and he's watching them and his jaw drops and he's like, holy shit. And I was like, so now do you believe me? And he was like, yeah, we'll, we'll be getting the protective order. And um, so so yeah, ended up getting a protective order and a and a bonds order or bonds conditions um, that also implemented like he couldn't contact me. Um, and I actually had like me, my kids, and and a lot of people don't realize this, but when I took my dog, I also put my dog on the protective orders. So he could not come near my dog at all. Uh, and so you can actually put your pets on there um, and protect them as well. And I know a lot of people don't even realize that you can do that, but, but you definitely can. Um, and, uh, then I ended up meeting with the DA and giving them my statement and, and everything. And they, they didn't really collect evidence. Um, if there was evidence, I had to collect it and I had to send it in and get pictures of it. They didn't even go to like the Starbucks parking lot and ask them for the video footage. I had to go to Starbucks and what, ask what, them for the video footage. Was your car damaged whenever he hit it? Uh, part of it was all scratched and on, on that and the front end of uh, the other vehicle was also scratched. And uh, they did end up coming out. They He did take a picture of that. Um, but, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, it could have been from anything else. And I was like, well, the video from in the parking lot proves that it was this not you know it wasn't just from something else or you know an accident like it was intentional uh i i just it makes you mad it, it, it makes me just physically pissed and it confuses me that there wasn't more effort put in to protect you and your family mm -hmm. that that's oh, yeah. kind that's kind of you know it's kind of even if, and uh, like, I always have to play devil's advocate, so don't mm -hmm. please start. Oh, you're good. Even if you were batshit crazy, 
and you are making all of this up. You can't make mm-hmm. up the evidence of the videos. So no. if you see the videos and it's almost like, even if you're insane, you have to believe everything else because the videos are the first line in proof. If, mm-hmm. if some yeah. of that stuff sounds so unbelievable, but you have evidence of it, then everything else that's less believable has to be true. Well, and that's, that's what I've always said when people are like, I mean, people say insane things when they hear about it. And I'm like, okay, say I'm crazy. Say I am batshit nuts. What do you say about the videos? How can you explain yeah. any of this? Yeah. It, it, I mean, and, and no one's ever been, I mean, no one ever responds to that, but you can. I mean, and that's, and that's where I was at was, okay, so what? Say I'm a liar about everything, but what do you say about the videos? I just don't know how you can, what, they're, they're made up? It's, it's you, fake? You, you can't. Uh, I mean, I, I think that stems from, there's been several, several cases of women and probably some men. I'm not familiar with the men cases, but I, I would think there will be some too, of women beating the shit out of themselves and taking a picture or going to, you know, the, the police department or whatever, because, you know, there are some, some loose screws out there, but, but when you have video evidence to where you can't make this shit up and to be honest with you, I've heard a lot of stories. I've heard a lot of stories. Yours is probably the most unbelievable one, but you have evidence, (laughs) you have evidence Mm -hmm. to, to back it up. And that's where I just, I don't know why they didn't do more. Um, now you said earlier that whenever y'all went to court, that it didn't go the way you would think. Kind of, kind of go into that because I guess that's where we're coming to anyway. Yeah, um, because of COVID, uh, the court system was really messed up. It was a long, uh, everything was elongated and and drug out. The whole, you know, your right to a speedy trial. I did Qu- not question feel before you t- before you say this. I forgot mm-hmm. about this. Was he out on bond? Uh, yes, actually, okay. the they um, what's even crazier where the police also failed was when they arrested him. He was in the um, if I back up just a little bit, because, yeah, when he was he was in the mental facility, he called, called, called and has all family and all of them like, just talk to him. And I was like, well, just let me I, I'm just going to talk to him to figure out when he gets out so I can make sure I'm long gone. And and my family was even listening and he was you know, he admitted to like, he didn't fake, he said he didn't fake a seizure. He faked an aneurysm and that he was going to get out. He wanted me to pick him up. And what day he was probably going to get out because he stayed there 11 days. And the police, I told them, and they're like, well, we'll put a warrant out and we'll arrest him. He'll either have to turn himself in or we'll go pick him up. And so he, they, he ends up turning himself in uh, when he got released from there. But when they arrested him, they charged him with just like as if he assaulted a, a stranger on the street like what but, yeah and when it's domestic violence it's automatically a felony um uh, aggravated assault uh, against family and they they didn't originally arrest him for that they just it was just like assault but like it wasn't it wasn't anything. is that a misdemeanor yeah it is so they and, lowered his charges to keep his job and, And so, and that's what I, that's exactly what I said happened. And the DA, they came back and said, no, no, no. Uh, Y'all charged him wrong and we're changing it, that it's, you know, uh, aggravated assault and family violence. And it's also impeding of breath. And that's, that's two felonies. And Uh, so uh, they uh, end up. What was that now? Impeding what? 
and and pitting of breath, so strangulation. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. And that that both of those were felonies, and they had to go back and then change his charges. But like, if you look him up, it shows like his arrest was for just like a fight, like from a random person. Yeah. And um, so I then found out like he'd even with the protective order and in the bonds condition, it was you know the no contact everything you know, that you'd expect. And they did it in the bonds condition as well. So that with the police, there wouldn't be any issues that he'd just be automatically picked up and go to back to jail if he did. Because I know sometimes people have issues with protective orders and having people actually enforce them and take it seriously. So they had it done both ways. And when they did that, he actually still reached out uh, after that. And Uh, I didn't realize this until or remember it until the other day I was going back through emails because he reached out to my work and my work was like um, they took me in and were protecting me. And when he reached out to my work, he was wanting to like warn them of me and I was crazy. And they were like, "Uh, no, 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 this isn't okay." And that breaks the, the bonds order and the protective order as well. And when we reported it, uh, they were like, you know, didn't want to do anything about it. And I was so confused. And then when I went and saw the email, realized that they came back and said that when they released him from jail, that they, quote, forgot to serve him with the protective order. So for he hadn't up been until, notified of it yet is mm-hmm. what they were saying. Yeah. And that basically, if I hadn't have brought it to their attention, it never would have been served. And yeah, they, they'd forgotten it. It just got overlooked. And so, yes, yeah, since they forgot, that's why then they couldn't pick him up for this. And then they then had to go back out and then serve him. And that should never be overlooked for that's anybody. Not, I mean, no, that's, absolutely that's, not. That's your livelihood. You know, yeah. I mean, and yeah. I was like, well, I mean, I guess it plays back into, you know, how terrible I think they could do their job. And it just kept getting worse and worse. That's ridiculous. Um, yes. So, so now that we've caught up there, cause that's, mm-hmm. that's just, I don't understand it. Honestly, this is what it honestly sounds like before we, we kind of get into the court stuff to end it. Um, it sounds like he had some friends in some places that were protecting him and wanting mm-hmm. him to get a second chance. So even if after you moved on, you got labeled as crazy and he could go back to work and just start over. It sounds like somebody mm-hmm. was protecting him. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's how it, it seemed to me. Um, and, but yeah, so when we got ready for court, like I wasn't even allowed to do a victim statement. Um, and that was really weird for me because if you're a victim of a crime, you, you're allowed that. And I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to be there um, and watch it. I don't even know what evidence was presented to the court and what was even used. How is that even um, legal? I have no idea. Uh, I, I have no idea. Uh, I, I don't know anything that actually went on with the case. Now, um, isn't it isn't it where and maybe it's testifying against. But if you're man and if you're husband and wife, you're not allowed to testify against them in, in certain things. But I don't think domestic violence is one of those instances. Yeah, like you can't be forced to. But if that's you volunteer that, yourself, yeah, that's, that's what then you can. And so that's where I was confused because I was like, well, I don't have a problem testifying. And even if I'm not testifying, why can't I sit like, why can't I sit in and listen? Was it just because Uh, of COVID restrictions or something? 
I don't know. And that was like, I, the DA never gave me an answer to that at all. And so I was just kind of left in this, I, I, of, I don't know why. Um, the next thing I knew was it was, it wasn't until this year that I think it was hmm, maybe around March is when it went to trial. And the next thing I knew was, uh, that, um, I was told that it wasn't that he's not guilty or that he is guilty. It just kind of ended up in limbo. And that made no sense to me at all um, and was very confusing. And no one could give me any answers of how it'd go that way. Uh, a lot of uh, police officers and other people kind of tried to explain it to me from uh, Wiley and friends that had been involved in other cases that were like this or, you know, domestic violence of you know, how it can go. And, and they said a lot of it's just the lack, uh, like the police not going in the home and not doing their job can cause a lot of issues in court. And that that's most likely why it ended up falling through the cracks the way it did. I, I just, it's hard for me to understand that when you have the ring footage, mm -hmm. it, that, that's yeah. just very confusing. Uh, and that's where I was like, I wish I could have been in court to see what the argument was. Like, did were did did they play these videos? Did they not play them? Did you know? Did the attorney try to say these weren't? You know, you couldn't use them. Was that was that part of it? And and I don't know. I don't I don't have any answers for that. That is, uh, I don't understand it. I think you should. You know, I don't I don't know financially where you're at, but I think you should look into there there's something there that's not right there there's really 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 either this guy's got prominent family members or prominent friends in the community that saved his ass and got some stuff swept under the rug or you really got the short end of the stick from the legal system yeah and and a couple attorneys actually they reached out and were talking to me about it and i mean they basically the I can't even do anything really about the police department uh, other than file like a formal complaint. Um, unless like if Carrie comes back at me, um, then I can go after the police department that because of negligence that it caused harm. So when, and, when, at, at court before we jump on to what you're saying mm -hmm. right now, cause I want to know that part too before uh, what did he actually get charged with? What was his final charges as, as whatever went through court? Uh, it was the uh, domestic violence, um, or the aggravated assault, family aggravated violence, that one, and then the impeding of breath. And they, because I even was like, at least get him for choking the dog, animal abuse. Texas right then actually just convicted a, a kid of animal abuse and put him in like jail for years. God damn, I, I love like, Texas. I, yeah, and I was like, hell yeah. May, like, if anything, yeah. if for some reason he gets off the dog, the dog video is literally him on there strangling him. Like you can't deny it, you know, cause I have the, the audio of him going after me, but there wasn't a video camera in our room, but there's the audio of it. But so even if you didn't, you were like, yeah, we're not going to use that one. The dog, at least I thought surely they'd get him for that. And they didn't. And so I did just he, so did, he go to, did he go to prison? Is he on probation? What, mm -hmm. what is it? Nope. He got to just get off scot-free and he I mean he's still a fireman and still out in the public uh one of his jobs they did reach out and they did in their own internal investigation and that scared me at first um I was thinking they were going to take his side and 
they they were very respectful and kind and apologetic for his behavior and and they got rid of him at that department um but no he's he got off scot-free and he's you know out there i i wonder if they did i just wonder God, you need to hire like some big ass attorney or get your, I hope that there's some, we just had a woman and I'm going to send her this episode. Uh, Miss Rachel, if you're listening, I just did an episode with this woman who is a huge time attorney down in, uh, down in Florida. who just did an episode with me and I'm going to send her this because I don't understand. Like this dude should have been put under the jail. There's been, I can't even remember what fucking documentary I just got done watching, but it's almost the same thing. It was where this guy kept getting off, like the community that he lived in. He had done a lot of some bad shit like this dude did, and he got away with it like two or three times, and the next time, you know, he he kills someone, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's where there was, it was so obvious that it had happened you know, that he was, he got locked up and punished then, but the other times there was just as much evidence. It's just people didn't do their jobs. Mm-hmm. And it was about who this guy was connected with. And that's really what it sounds like. And that's what makes it scary is it, yeah. has he tried to contact you or anything since all of it was said and done? Um, his girlfriend that, that he has had, um, since we, you know, obviously divorced, um, and, uh, she reaches out like she, she stalks me it's it's a little ridiculous and it makes no sense because I want nothing to do with them at all um and I I don't know if it's necessarily her or if it's him working it I I don't know um so she has and I I mean occasionally get some really I mean I don't know who the text sales would be from but um some really weird freaky texts that end up coming through that I'm like you know I'm sure it's it's probably him but I mean Sadly, he still lives around me. And um, absolutely not. I tell you what, I'll, I'll make a deal with you right now. On hand on the Bible, good Lord, you strike my fat ass dead. If you ever, 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 I will get some of the meanest, some of my bitches you've ever seen in your life, and we will take a road trip to Texas and I will <laughs> break this motherfucker's knee, not just for you, but for that damn dog. My daughter's 10 years old. When if she listens to this episode, which Gracie, you better not be listening to this episode, and she hears what he did to that dog, my my daughter's gonna blow his ass away. There's no mm-hmm. reason in the world that that dude should be walking around. And if he's walking around, he needs to have some goddamn limps. And every time he takes a step, he needs to be reminded to leave you the hell alone. Well, and I said uh, when people have asked about speaking my story and scared of him, and I said, you know, one, I believe that if he's gonna come after me, he's gonna come after me if I tell it or not. Yeah. That's it's not going to matter. Um, but I also said the other thing that in speaking my truth is in bringing awareness that a lot of people do know about it and it also exposes him. And I'm hoping that because it does in a sense expose him, that it actually protects me because he's not going to want to go near me. He's not going to want to be seen necessarily around me, um, because of hopefully the, exposure that it does have and that it's not a secret anymore there you know the people in our town do know about it and uh, I'm kind of hoping that that is part of you know at least that in sharing my story that there is 
exposure to it it's not a secret and I mean like I said he if he was going to come after me he's going to come after me anyways but whether I showed or not I hope you have a con- con- I can't talk conceals carry I conceal carry yeah there's a lot different um today than there was before Good. and I mean I've even said that uh like when you if you want to protect the border you don't need the cops and I didn't know that at the time a lot of women didn't know that don't know that um, you can print off the papers yourself, you fill them out and you go to the court and you talk to the judge. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, just have them ready in your car to be dated. And the second it happens, drive up to the court and we'll file it. And, and so, um, there's a lot of, I guess, knowledge that I, I learned, unfortunately, going through this, that I know a lot of women don't have. And that's, that's kind of sad to me that there's not more avenues to, to know about this. Um, cause even in our divorce, uh, I ended up walking away. I took all the debt. I had like a hundred and, you know, 10 to $120,000 in debt when I we divorced, uh, the judge did not like him. She wanted me to come back with an attorney cause she wanted to fix it. And I was like, Nope, I'm, I'm walking away today, divorced from this man. I'm not, I'm not staying married to him one day longer. And the uh, state of Texas actually has a, a victim's compensation and they reviewed all the evidence from the DA. And um, when they reviewed all the evidence, they had said that I was a victim of a crime and that they were gonna cover all my debt. And uh, I, the day that I got a check from them was the day that I had like 263 bucks in my account and had tithed it all. And was like, well, God, I didn't have enough for this week. I don't know uh, what we're going to do, but you got it. And literally an hour later, I got a phone call that the DA was had sent a check, or not the DA, but the state of Texas had sent a, sent a check to cover all my debt and uh, for mental anguish and took it all. It was all taken off my plate. And that's probably one of the biggest blessings through this um, that I've I just, I still can't wrap my head around, but that, that worked the way it did because that was a huge burden. Well, not only do I love Texas a little bit more now, but that's the good Lord being where he's supposed Mm -hmm. to be. You know, that's, you know, that, that's something that I appreciate you sharing with all this, but you're sharing it and this is going to help somebody else out. And the good Lord's put that on your plate. Like a lot of people, you know, we have to, we have to have fucked up moments in our life. Like you went through, it's just, there's nothing, there's no way to get around it, but it's the kind of person you are afterwards Mm -hmm. that defines who you are. It's not the person during it. And I I will make you this promise that jackass that you were married to, that did all this to you. I don't know what his punishment is going to be yet, but it's not going to be good. Something is going to, People like him do not get away with the law might've let him get away with it, but the universe and the good Lord, ain't. you know, as strong as, yeah. as strong as the devil is God's 10 times stronger. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, I've, I operate under the mentality with the, you know, what the devil intended to harm me, God will use for good. And um, yeah, this would could have, and very easily could have broken me. And instead it, it's not. And I can see that God's, using it in a way that, um, is making me grow. And I know that I am a more compassionate and loving person, unfortunately, because of that situation, but fortunately because of it. And, um, 
I wouldn't change any of it because I know who I am today. I know that um, I, I love that I'm who I am and, and it made me that way. And so I, I, I definitely see a lot of, of blessings that have come from it. And it might have taken me a little while to see them, but uh, I know that I value life and family and um, and everything else a lot more because of it. Well, darling, I just want to tell you, you're an amazing, amazing human being and a complete fucking badass. Only thing I would tell you that if you ever see him again and it's just you and him and it's just in a very weird environment, pull first, pull the trigger, ask questions later. Don't, I'm telling you, you know, it's better with that old saying, it's better to be judged by 12 than carried by six. Well, that, and I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's, I, I totally believe that. Well, I really do. Well, I just want to thank you for letting me help you share your story. And I think it's going to help a lot of people. And I also hope that it helps bring light to how you were treated throughout the whole process. I'm a big supporter of all first responders, police officers, and everything. But I'm also the first one to say if something's not right in a situation, something's not right. There's something that's mm-hmm. off there. And I hope that somebody listens to this episode um, or it gets shared enough to where you get a little bit more help because something's not right. And that guy deserves to get more and you deserve to be taken care of. So, um, yeah, just thank you. I, I very much mm-hmm. appreciate it. And, uh, you know, God bless you. You'll be in my prayers, you and your youngins and your doggy. And uh, mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, hopefully things will continue to get better for you and you'll realize that with your pain came a purpose and you're better off because of it. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to share my story. Um, it's, it it is healing for me to be able to, to speak about it and giving it an opportunity to help someone else. And, and, and you've been able to, to assist in that. And so I, I really appreciate what you do and, and, and taking the time to, to, to listen. So, anytime. Hey, you. I'll tell you what, you got my phone number. Uh, <laughs> anytime you need to talk, anytime you need a friend, I got you this year, part of the raising grace family. Now raising <laughs> grace stands for somewhere between raising hell and amazing grace. And that's, I like what, it. that's what we're all about here. So you family member now you can't get rid of us. <laughs> Well, thank you. I, I will gladly accept. So. Yes, ma'am. Well, thank each and every one of y'all for listening to Politics, Religion, and Whiskey. I will catch y'all next time.